You have got mail. You've got mail. Oh, wow. I did that surprisingly that well. That was pretty good. Yeah. I, I didn't know how <laughs> programmed that was. Uh, it's in, It's ingrained in all of us. We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are concluding the Megathon for the whole month of February. We have been reviewing romantic comedies featuring Meg Ryan, and we are going to finish it with the 1998 classic, You've Got Mail. Grayson, did you did you have AOL? Have. My mom still has AOL. <laughs> I won't yeah. give out her email address, but it definitely ends at AOL.com. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this movie, I did not see it when it first came out because um, in 1998, um, nothing was more important to me than watching Space Jam on VHS. So that's what I was watching. Um, Mm, Interesting. Yeah, AOL, just period piece wise, um, in my life, I, I remember getting the disc in the mail and I remember one time my dad gave me one of the discs and I felt like I had all the power in the universe because <laughs> the advertising was like, you get 10,000 hours of free internet. I'm like, oh man, this internet thing sounds so cool. It's like water. <laughs> Just culturally at that time, the internet was a baby. It, it was a it, it was a newborn still. Still learning how to be potty trained. It was like a newborn. Even the sound it made was very similar to a baby that it yeah. just wails <laughs> and blares like ee-aw, ee-aw, ee. it's just <laughs> demanding attention. Like an infant like trying to formulate words. Yeah. It's like what 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 are you, internet? Are you you hungry? You tired? <laughs> you need a change? <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm up at three in the morning trying to figure out how to make you happy. Oh, yes. Uh, But to give you guys a little bit of history on this movie, this movie came out December 18th, uh, 1998, and uh, it grossed over $115 million uh, from its initial release date to uh, April 1999. So that's kind of its theatrical run. Mm, December 18th, you say? Yeah. That makes it another Meg Ryan Christmas movie. It's <laughs> it's a Megathon miracle. A it's Megathon a Megathon Christmas miracle. miracle. So if the movie is released in December, it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Oh, and she was. Uh, it did take place during a season of Christmas. Man, yeah. another secret Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But yeah, the movie was received very well, and this was uh, the, you know, as we've said before, this is the second movie uh, written by Nora Ephron starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Well, they did three movies together, and the first one, Joe versus the Volcano, was not written by Nora Ephron. But the first movie that we did in the Megathon, When Harry Met Sally, was written by Nora Ephron. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What's wrong? Um, this is amazing. I literally... J- this is amazing. What's wrong? What happened? So, um, <laughs> I found out that Warner Brothers still has the Flash website up for the movie You've Got Mail. 
they the website is still up and you need to go to it right now so i just uh, type you've got mail.com uh it's you've got mail.warnerbrothers.com so if you go to you've got mail.warnerbrothers.com you will see the magic it's like going into a time machine oh my goodness right what is this oh my goodness this is it's wow not a lot of places these days will have the courtesy and decency to offer it in both dvd and vhs <laughs> oh this website yeah so basically all you really need to know about the history to just really feel the time period of this movie is going to this website and just taking a tour around it because uh this is beautiful this is just beautiful you can actually read their stories you can read like their exchanges with each other wow well, good on you, Warner Brothers, giving the people what they want. Wow, this is incredible. Yeah. Do you think they just built it in the time and left it, or is it intentionally being maintained to have this kind of feel? You can't you can't create this. You can't recreate no, this. This is lightning in a bottle. Like they would have done more super glitchy things to make it feel like they would have over exaggerated a little bit. Yeah. Oh, now they're trying to get me to buy cable subscriptions. Well, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> Check it out. You'll get lost in it. Very you fun. You really will. Um, yeah, and um, another interesting thing about the history of it is... Um, another interesting thing about this movie is that it's Nora Ephron's uh, second adaptation featuring the two. Because the first one uh, with Sleepless in Seattle is an adaptation of movie mc movieston um and it was a kind of like an inspired remake and this mm -hmm. movie is also an adaptation of the 1940s film uh the shop around the corner starring james stewart and margaret sullivan and um the movie is technically a remake or a sequel more of an inspired sequel because i don't know if you notice this but tom hanks's grandfather talks about knowing um Meg Ryan's mother, he's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I knew this girl named something such and such. And yeah, they dance. Yeah, and they and so it was in they used the same character names, so it kind of acts as like an inspired sequel. Interesting. Is the dancing footage part of Shop Around the Corner? No. Oh, okay. Not to my knowledge, at least. And so that's basically um, kind of where the movie was in that time period of 1998. Now, this movie basically acts as an unintentional uh, period piece uh, because in my <laughs> brain, I think my headcanon with most movies is that unless they explicitly state the year, it's supposed to be a modern movie, uh, which right. yeah. it, the very first time I saw this was actually on Netflix a couple of years ago, and I couldn't stop laughing. I could not take the movie seriously at all uh, because... Of all of the dated references, like uh, it movie opens, uh, like one of the first lines you hear is um, Meg Ryan's boyfriend, played by notorious uh, actor Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear, uh, and he says, "Can you believe that this Fortune 500 company is having to uninstall Solitaire because people aren't getting any work done?" <laughs> <laughs> 
this, this right here, this is the end of Western civilization. And I, I, I from that moment on, I'm just like, I, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry, movie. You are, you were so 90s. 1997 is laughing at you. And, but that was like the first time I saw it. But then when I was rewatching it, um, if you look at it as it being a period piece, like this is what it was like in the late 90s. It, it plays a little naturally and the technology doesn't scream at you so much because <laughs> there's a scene where, um, <laughs> where they're talking about having multiple typewriters in the household. It's like, oh, you bought oh, yeah. another, you bought another typewriter. Oh, that like, sounds sounds familiar. I wonder why. <laughs> it's the same typewriter. <laughs> although, although I I do have two typewriters myself, so right, but I can't can't throw too many stones. But I mean, but they're not the same. They're they're very different. They have different personalities. Uh, also, just so you guys know, Grayson lives his life. Like it is a period piece. Uh, it's my understanding that we're doing a live radio show right now. Uh, uh, you're not. You're not wrong. You're not uh, wrong. A live radio show about talkies. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah, the movie. Uh, I know we've gone way into this, but I'll probably I'll give you a synopsis. How about that? Uh, so you've got mail is a two hour. Uh, commercial for america online uh, no, the, um so struggling boutique bookseller kathleen kelly played by meg ryan hates joe fox played by tom hanks the owner of a corporate fox books chain store that just moved in across the street when they meet online however they begin an intense and anonymous internet romance oblivious of each other's true identity so eventually joe learns that the enchanting woman he's involved with is actually his business rival he must now struggle to reconcile his real life dislike for her with the cyber love he's come to feel he's conflicted yeah and um and so the movie the movie once you get past a lot of the technology that they're talking about um i think kind of a third into the movie you really do start to feel for these characters. Like for me, I really liked that, um, the setup, like the story. Like I liked how they had them be rivals. Cause originally I was just like, this is just super dated technology. Like mm -hmm. it's all about old things that don't matter anymore. Um, but I think we don't see a lot of romantic comedies like this because I think the stakes aren't as real usually um because like with them being rivals and uh, meg ryan's character being so tied to the shop around the corner and that being like something that her mother um that was her mother's legacy and all these other things like that i felt for her when she said listen we're gonna have to shut the place down like i liked that there was tension there and that these uh, people were able to kind of come together and fall in love with each other, despite both of them challenging their respective lives. Right. Um, and just the, their plans for their lives. And I thought that was such a, that was a cool moment because usually with romantic comedies, there's, there are relational stakes, but there aren't that many life stakes. Uh, or at least I don't see it as much like, if you look at a romantic comedy today, I I don't know why, but the movie She's Out of My League 
comes to mind. You know that movie. That's a baseball uh, movie, right? Uh, it, it's not. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. but, I saw a different movie then. <laughs> oh, or how about... Um, we'll go with Hitch. We'll, That's we'll take... a baseball movie. Oh. <laughs> I, I just don't feel like a lot of um, life changes happen in a lot of romantic comedies, per se. Like, the situations will change, but, like, mm-hmm. the direction of these characters' lives sh- shift, like, very drastically. And um, and I like that they still have each other throughout the situation. Like, it felt very much like when Harry met Sally, to be honest with you, because the movie wasn't so much about their relationship um, as much as it was seeing how they kept in touch throughout these different moments in their life. And, man, when Meg Ryan said the quote... Or something to the effect of, I know these are, I know these conversations about nothing are kind of nothing, but they've meant so much to me. I'm just like, oh man, that's, that's really, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I think it's interesting the, the talk about the stakes that are being put in. Um, because out of the four movies we watched in the Megathon, really, this is like for survival stakes, number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Joe versus the volcano being number one, like they they basically like you either do this or you die without purpose. It was kind of the stakes that he was put against. Um, whereas here they're fighting for livelihood; it's their jobs on the line. Yeah. Um, when Harry met Sally, it's more of do I lose a really good friend and because he's still in like a nice apartment, he still has a nice job. He, nothing really changes if she rejects him. He just mm-hmm doesn't have that self-actualization moment, which is crucial, but um, on a survival element, it's still there. Um, and then uh, with uh, with Sleepless in Seattle, there's some of the stakes there with the child, but it's also like you would still have a life. You would still survive. It's that lower, t- the lower tier of the Maslow hierarchy of needs is is still there. It's still intact. Whereas with this, it's very possible that they could lose that stability and safety um, because like by the end of the movie, everyone that works in the bookstore is unemployed with the exception of Meg Ryan. Yeah. They just walk away and they don't have jobs. Yeah. Nora Ephron is not afraid to put her characters through like really tough situations. I mean, the thing that sparks sleepless in Seattle is Tom Hanks's character's loss of his wife of his spouse mm-hmm. and that propels that, that is high stakes yeah yeah well i mean it propels the plot forward and we see a lot of things being affected by that um my dvd copy of this movie had a uh, hbo insider interview with nor efron and nor efron pointed this thing out that i thought was super interesting and she said um her parents used to always tell her anytime something she uh was going through in her life that was negative she her parents would always tell her Everything is copy, basically telling her that, like, you know, no matter what happens in your life, someday you'll be able to write about this and realize that it wasn't as bad as it was. Um, Mm. And so it's like not to necessarily say that everything in her movies are autobiographical, but like she draws on these different experiences and she's not afraid to put her characters through things because like that's what I mean, people go through things. I think um, when I when I. I now in my adult life look at 
certain TV shows, I'm thinking about things differently than when I was when I was a kid. Like I'm looking at friends and I'm thinking, how can these people afford this apartment in New York City? Like I <laughs> what what are your jobs? You guys are at this coffee shop all the time. How much are you being paid? Like I No, I'm they thinking... explained it. It was rent controlled from the grandmother. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for all you people who haven't seen Friends yet. That's a huge Friends spoiler. Oh, my goodness. Um, you don't even need to now. <laughs> it, it all hinges on that. Um, but, yeah, I I, um, I think seeing this and, like, relating to the characters, like, um, and, like, they, they just felt real because it just wasn't about their circumstance or their situation of them, like, being in love or anything like that, but, like, everything else around it, around their... Uh, relationships were affected um and i i just like that i really liked that part of the story just like the characters felt real because they were going through real things and it wasn't just 100 percent about the love story but it was also about like they took a break almost like in the middle of the movie it was like great we're shutting the store down and then it was a season of breakups um mm-hmm. yeah. where <laughs> by the way uh best breakup ever like hey listen here's the thing I don't love you. No way. I don't love you. Well, <laughs> they're like high five each other. And then he leaves uh, her apartment, taking with him nothing but a smile on his face and his typewriter. <laughs> That's what he took. Uh, Big Ryan uh, is the queen of breakups and the guy's taking it very well. Oh, yeah. Like Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. When they're at 30 Rock having dinner. And Bill Pullman's like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's do like, what oh. you got to do. Hey, I get it. Happens. Yeah. And then Parker Posey uh, being was uh, broken up with by Tom Hanks uh, in the elevator situation, uh, which I think is just a wonderful way to uh, just really test your relationships. Like, for those of you listening who are in a relationship, uh, you have to put your significant other in the elevator test, which is you get stuck in an elevator for an hour and see how the other person responds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and if you if it turns out well, let us know. And uh, if it doesn't, uh, it was another podcast fault. Yeah, hopefully it's more like you've got mail and a little less like the Shyamalan-inspired devil. <laughs> Five people in an elevator, one of them is the devil. That's the baseball movie, right? Yeah, it's baseball. Yeah, it's, uh, sounds yeah. right. It's like the devils, you know. <laughs> it's the mascot. But Ooh, the mascot yeah. costume is a devil in an elevator casing. So he, it's still... <laughs> It's like a big foam elevator. <laughs> Falls down on the plate, does these tricks. People love it. Uh, good. Good. <laughs> I think it's the Delaware Devils, I want to say. Ah, sounds about and right. The, but, they're call, but he's called the Delevator. I mean, no one's going to top that. That needs to be a spinoff all on its own. This is all going to be used as evidence to lock me away <laughs> for insanity. No, man. Delevator, that's, that is a reality show, <laughs> a competition reality show waiting to happen. It's only a matter of time before you see 
coming this fall, Delevator. I was like, ah, someone stole it. (laughs) It's such a specific idea. (laughs) Oh, good. Uh, But. Go ahead. No, what were you going to say before I said but loudly? (laughs) Um, I was going to ask you if there was anything else that you wanted to add on, or if if there were any other moments uh, that kind of stood out for you uh, during this watching of the movie. Uh, Yeah, when I was watching Devil, uh, it stood (laughs) out to me that Chris Messina from The Mindy Project, uh, he's a big part in that movie, and a very small part in You've Got Mail as uh, the bookstore clerk. No way. So there you go. There you go. I got us back on track. Well <laughs> Organically. That That's impressive. Yeah, Steve Zahn was also in the movie. Love me some Steve Zahn. Yeah, I don't see him enough. I know that he was in uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid because I saw him mm-hmm. when I had to go. I saw that movie when I was in the waiting room at the doctor's office. I'm like, oh, look, Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn's great. In Italy, he's known as Lasagna. <laughs> Should have stuck with Delevator. I should have got out when I had the chance. Yeah. But also, um, Dave Chappelle was in this movie. Dave Chappelle. How often do you see Dave Chappelle in a movie? Guys, so How often do you see Dave Chappelle? Yeah. I saw him on one of uh, DJ Khaled's uh, Snapchats just at a place like, hey, I'm here with Dave Chappelle. I'm like, how did you find Dave Chappelle just at a party? I didn't understand anything you just said because, <laughs> like, like we established, I live in the twenties. Yeah, so where the stock market is strong. <laughs> so, um, so on the DVD, because uh, another interesting thing about this, depending on what ver- or where you watch the movie, if you do have a DVD, it is a treat to look at the special features because my DVD has such special features as cast list and um uh dolby stereo and uh because the internet wasn't as prominent as it was it was kind of closer to that version of the internet that we saw in sleepless in seattle where it's just a black void and you're just typing and hoping something shows up you hope the other dharma station responds (laughs) to you yes every hour you just need to plug in this code um and the interesting thing about that is that on the DVD release, they said that he is most well known for his role in Half Baked. So he, mm-hmm. the movie that he wrote and starred in. And so from that to me tells me that someone, Nora Ephron, saw David Chappelle in Half Baked and said, you know what? I want that guy. I want to get that guy. Yeah. Probably. Like, yeah. I got the perfect role. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he he was a he was great. Like he was a really he great uh, best friend character. Like you don't see him in that kind of role anymore. Like, and the scene where he's looking through the window and he's the first one to discover what's really going on here. Oh yeah, played it so well. He's like, well, I I, I don't think you're if you don't like her, I don't think you're gonna like this girl because she kind of <laughs> looks like her. That's my Dave Chappelle impression. Oh, she's beautiful. <laughs> oh, she's beautiful. But uh, you're probably not going to like her. Yeah. Yeah, the Dave Chappelle impression sounds a little like um, uh, Barack Obama meets Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> I don't think you're going to like her. 
Wow. You're right. Look at that. Look at that. Coming this Sorry. fall to NBC. Oh, we should do just a whole episode where we try to do impressions, but really we break down the arithmetic of this celebrity plus this celebrity equals, equals this celebrity. This. I like it. Yeah. Uh, John Goodman plus Whoopi Goldberg equals Queen Latifah. <laughs> and then we call it uh, Celebrity Mathletes. Yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's a bit of a stretch. Uh, but anyway. I think that whole premise was a stretch <laughs> and should be stricken from the record. Uh, but yeah, so that kind of sums up our recap. I mean, the movie is great and it, it's, it has such a great heart to it. Um, that for most of the time I was watching it, I was just thinking about the different segments that applied to it. So we'll talk more about the movie as we go into the other segments. Uh, first segment of the show, or next segment of the show, more so, is one of my favorites, and that is Head Cannon. Head Cannon. <laughs> Has anybody seen my head? <laughs> So headcanon is where we uh, come up with unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. Now, I've already mentioned this before uh, Mm -hmm. in When Harry Met Sally, but my headcanon was that um, Sally is related to Meg Ryan's character um, because Uh, both of them were on a computer at some point in time. And there's that. It made sense in the moment. Yeah. It really did. It really did. Um, but um, my other headcanon more so has to do with the end of the movie. So the end of the movie ended with um, a version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I just created a headcanon, and that is every movie that has Somewhere Over the Rainbow in the soundtrack takes place in the same universe where Wizard of Oz <laughs> existed. <laughs> so any song... <laughs> That you hear, like, somewhere, Wizard of Oz exists in that universe. But not the movie. Like, the actual place of Oz, they can get there. They actually can get there, yes. Yeah. I like that. I like that, That's so interesting. Oh, that's so interesting. Because, like, you don't need it to, um, because you don't have to be able to go to Oz yeah, but yeah, it does take place like basically because if we, I, from my understanding, we are led to believe in Wizard of Oz that Oz is a real place. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, she's like, some would say it's just the imaginings of Dorothy, but based off of, um, Wicked and all these other things, like there's an actual expansive world that exists beyond Dorothy, so. It's more of like a portal type thing. So yes, not just the result of blunt force trauma to the head. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like the movie would have you believe on the surface. <laughs> right. No, they uh, are. They're yeah. real. So I'm going to fuse my head cannon with your head cannon because I like that and I want to explore it. So if Oz is real in this this space. Mm-hmm. One of the things we know about technology as it evolves is sometimes in the past, uh, like in the example of a, a kid in King Arthur's court, technology from the future is seen as magic in the past. Ah. So there's a lot of magic in Oz. There's a lot of technology 
in You've Got Mail. Mm -hmm. So that emphasis could have that same magical sense. So the fact that they're they're talking about the colors of fall, don't you just love New York and Mm. all this? So New York itself is representative of Oz. Now, my headcanon had to do with the fact that we've been watching movies that have the same actors in them (laughs) for the past month. But the... uh, uh, the idea that this is actually in Oz state holds up with that because at first I was like, oh, well, this is a continuation of Joe versus the volcano because there are the 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 interludes of Somewhere Over the Rainbow throughout it, which is a very like tropical song, the island, all that. Mm. Um, and it keeps connecting uh, that this would be the last incarnation. But then I realized, nay, this is actually the Oz version of all of Tom Hanks' films. So let's pick it apart a little bit. Okay. Meg Ryan's obvious. She's been in a bunch of them. She's going to be the love interest because it's the most predominant love interest that Tom Hanks is associated with. Mm-hmm. Um, then we also have uh, the presence of people like Steve Zahn, who two years prior to this movie was annoying him in That Thing You Do and now annoys him in the bookstore. Ooh. You also have Brinkley the dog. Dog being a very prevalent force in uh, in Oz with Toto. But with this, Brinkley is actually the name of the dog that played Hooch in Turner in Hooch. It was oh. the real-life dog's name. So there are wow. all these little bits and pieces. Even the fact that he's on a boat uh, that has a very similar feel to like a <sighs> castaway type situation. Um and also a very similar dock to the one that was in Sleepless in Seattle. They have all of these ties back to other movies that he's done. But like even Castaway was in the future from this movie. So you right. can't really count that one. But it does have this amalgamation feel of like Tom Hanks has a style and these movies seem to be hitting on a lot of similar points. So all that to say in Oz, one of the big things is that the characters that you come across in Oz actually have people in kansas that they reflect um and that there's the real world and then there's the oz world and Mm. so this is kind of an oz matrix kind of reality where each one of these uh people that he's coming across he's met before wow i like it i like it a lot yeah i'm glad you said oz because that made it makes sense a lot more than just saying ah it's a sequel to joe versus the volcano (laughs) Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Yeah, the um, I, I think another interesting uh, piece of headcanon I have, um, if I do say so myself, <laughs> um, is that um, because this movie does take place um, a couple of years after Joe vs. Volcano and Sleepless in Seattle, mm-hmm. is because I wanted to figure out a way in which it could actually tie in to um sleepers in seattle and this is a a a part of the show uh or part of the show within headcanon that i like to call uh shoehorn because i'm going to try to shoehorn this idea (laughs) Shoehorn. so we when we lee when sleepers in seattle ends meg ryan and tom hanks just meet right Mm -hmm. they just meet that's it right um, 
we are led to believe that they get together, but there's no, they lived happily ever after. So maybe they did get together and it didn't work out. Hmm. And then he starts his life all over again. And it's like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And he just forgets who she is and he falls back in love with her. Oh, wow. Season six of Lost. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Watch it. It's worth it. It, it turns really out is. the entire island was rent controlled. <laughs> and they actually had access to internet the whole time. It was just dial up and none of them knew what dial up was. Uh, <laughs> uh, one cool thing, too, is in uh, some of the previous films, Rob Reiner made an appearance. Um, like he played the best friend in Sleepless in Seattle and uh, he directed When Harry Met Sally. In this, uh, Rob Reiner's co-star from All in the Family was uh, actually present in the bookstore. She was Jean Stapleton, who played uh, the accountant for Shop Around the Corner. Huh. She was Edith Bunker for years on All in the Family. Wow. You're right. Yeah, so That's some more of that, voice. that connection between, yeah. She sounded like Mrs. Potts, and I knew she was not, what is Murder, her? She Wrote? Yeah, I knew she was not Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> uh, what is her name? What is her name? So many people are just shouting at us while they're listening to this. It's 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 this, and I know I should know her name. Uh, the good thing is we can just edit this Angela out. Lansbury. Oh, Making a murderer is what IMDb gave me. <laughs> right, the same thing. Um, yeah, but that's not Angela Lansbury. No, um, that's so good. That's such a great call. We also, uh, well, we didn't point out the fact that Tom Hanks's character name is Joe. By the way, what we didn't, the, we completely yeah. missed that. When they're at the the counter, he goes, "What's your name?" And he's trying to hide the fact that he's with Fox Books. And he goes, "Joe, just." Joe. Just call me Joe. Okay, well, I mean, that's... Come on, Ricky. It was right there. There uh, you have it. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, uh, so this movie takes place um, after Joe um, finally makes it back to uh, to the mainlands. Um, mm-hmm. And it didn't work out with uh, Patricia. And then... Um, Moves to New York, starts a new life, reconnects with his father, has a couple of failed relationships, meets Parker Posey, um, whose name is Patricia in this movie, because (laughs) he wants to date someone who's just like this girl who he used to know. Um, And that's how it connects. Headcanon. Boom. Drop the mic. He did it. He did it. And since no one's going to top that, we're going to go on to the second uh, segment of our show where we talk about recasting and remakes. So we basically talk about uh, if this movie were to be remade today, um, what would the story be about and who would we recast? Mm. Yeah, I, I had, again, like doing this podcast has made watching movies so much more fun because I'm thinking about that constantly. I'm just like, Oh man, that would be so great. Um, first person who I thought to recast is, um, the role of Meg Ryan's character as Kathleen Kelly. I would recast, uh, Ellen DeGeneres 
Interesting. Because there was this moment when like Meg Ryan was like peeking around the corner and just kind of like moving, just like kind of prancing around. It's just like that reminds me of Ellen. Ellen, that's yes. It's like there's this moment where she starts dancing to a DJ and then <laughs> plays a crowd game. Uh, and I thought Ellen. Yeah. Yeah, and then that scene where she scared uh, someone and she laughed at their expense. Yeah, I thought that was uh, so Ellen. So Ellen. That's interesting. For Tom Hanks uh, in the Joe Fox role, I I like Bradley Cooper. We've said him for a few other roles Mm -hmm. on other episodes, but I have to give credit to my wife. She brought up a name that I was like, where has that been? Who? I would put up Michael Fassbender. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? Wow. Yeah, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah for Tom Hanks, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can play charming, but he can also play stern. That's solid. Yeah. He can play Magneto, but he can also play Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. I really yeah. like that. Um, wow, yeah. And then for me, for um, Greg Kinnear's character, Stephen Colbert. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, for Greg Kinnear's character, I would cast Greg Kinnear because <laughs> he has vampire blood and doesn't age. <laughs> You're right. I met Greg Kinnear last year, and he looked the exact same as he did in this movie. Did you tell him that? Uh, no, I was too stunned and afraid that he would steal my soul to keep himself young. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Very, he's a very nice guy. He's a very nice vampire. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I would honestly cast Dave Chappelle um, as Dave Chappelle. And then for um, for Tom Hanks's, uh brother and uh, or for his brother, it would be season one Luke uh, for Modern Family. <laughs> uh, and then for his aunt. Um, it would be um, season one Luke from Modern Family, but you know we do it like Parent Trap style, where he plays both characters. Right, you can tell because of the the acting choices. Right, the difference between the two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Parker Posey. Um, I'd like to see Tina Fey. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of that very erudite. Yeah. Always has a cause kind of deal. Yeah, uh, oh, I think yeah. she could she could paint that on pretty well. Oh man, you bringing up uh, Tina Fey, Tracy Morgan mm-hmm. as Dave Dave Chappelle's character. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, and then for uh, Gene Stapleton's character, uh, Bertie Conrad, uh, I'd like to see Betty White. Yes, absolutely. Betty White. Yeah, that's right there. That's right there. Yeah, the um one of the ideas because like the the movie is not only a remake of uh you know Shop Around the Corner, but it's it talks about technology a lot. Mm-hmm. And so if there were to be a remake, um I would want it to be um I would want it to be called or I I would want it to be about the rivalry between uh, Blockbuster and Redbox, and it'd be called a uh, two-day rental. Very nice. Yeah, I have Very like four more nice. of these. I had so much yeah. fun with just the premise of it. 
Uh, but yeah, two day rental. If it were be about like he owns the he's um she owns like a small family sto- rental store and he owns a line of red box boxes and it's everywhere and they hate him for it, but they're in love because they send each other mixtapes. No, it, got, it was so it was so good for so long and that ruined it. Um, oh, I love it. No. Okay, it, it, you could have one where it's uh she owns uh, like a newspaper company mm-hmm. and then he's in the tech sector mm-hmm. and specifically like digital news, 24-hour kind of coverage and uh they and he's putting her out of business uh and call it headline over heels. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. So if if they were to just do a a sequel mm-hmm. um, and cast everyone the same except right. Joe, um, it, it's more like of what happened in real life after like the whole bookstore thing. Um, and it's about the Amazon story. Of like how Amazon has shutting down like all these other stores, yeah, and it'd be called your order has shipped. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and uh, and the premise would be uh, basically the same story, um, but it's about them trying to retire and their kids. Oh no, it's about their kids. Yeah, because the kids, their kids work at like maybe they have a. Oh yeah, like okay, so they have like a son, and he works at the store. But then he meets this girl, uh, who works at like an Amazon tech sector type of thing, and then yeah, and they're like, "How could you be with her? Like she's shutting down our business." And yeah, yeah. Uh, I had the thought that if we went to the Amazon angle, uh, it could just be called Prime Directive. Oh. And be like, I thought this was a very different movie. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. I want to get on to two surprise segments. So, oh my goodness! Um, but before we get there, I want to do my new favorite segment: double take title, where we come up with alternate titles uh, for the movie. And I really want to get mine out there, uh, if you don't yeah. mind, unless you have oh, one. Oh, please! For first. Uh, I'll think of one in the next couple seconds. <laughs> okay, great. So the movie, you know, Meg Ryan's character talks about how much she loves daisies and it talks about how uh, she's like, yeah, don't you think daisies are just the friendliest flowers? And she brings it up, the theme, and, you know, flowers are a semblance of life, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, there is also a lot of loss in the movie. Um, And so you see the relationships throughout the different seasons of life, like the ups and the downs. So... I would, of course, alternatively call this movie Pushing Up Daisies. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I would uh, focus on the different assumptions that they make about each other Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they are uh, both vendors of literature Mm -hmm. and uh, call the movie By the Cover. And on the poster, it's a don't judge a book, dot, 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 by the cover. That's good. Now, uh, have you seen the TV show Catfish? 
No. Okay. So, or the movie, there's a, so the TV show is based off of the documentary. It's right. I'm familiar with the, the idea of it. Yeah. Um, that they're, they're going back and forth online and they're talking to this person. And then by the end of it, they find out that that person lives in a rent controlled apartment. <laughs> I mean, you're not far off. No, <laughs> that's basically okay. it. Cool, um, that's what I thought. Because like at the end of the movie, I was just like, oh, wait, this is Catfish the movie. But that's what the first Catfish movie is. It's just a documentary about them trying to find out this person who's not who they say they are. Yeah. Um, so I would just call it uh, Catfish 2, the one with uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> just really spell it out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Just, just so they know which one it is. Yeah. So which one was it? Was the one without them, or oh, it's the one with them? Oh. It says it right here. I, I didn't. I should have kept reading. <laughs> oh man, this isn't the other one. I should have browsed that movie list. I told you so many times. The one with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. The one with them. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, so those are the titles I had. Uh, I have a surprise segment for you, Grayson, um, and oh, it's loosely inspired it. by what we uh, talked about before the show last time. Um, I showed you a trailer for Sleepless in Seattle if it were recut as a horror movie. Right, um, yeah. So I'm now introducing a new segment called uh, Genre Bent. and nice. yeah. It's where we flip the genre. We choose another genre and see what that story would be about. It's so cool. Okay. You've got mail as a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. but the thing I thought would be interesting is if because they made so many Godfather references, is mm. what what if it was a a crime movie? Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, yeah, you have the meeting of the the father, the son, and the grandfather mm-hmm. in there. Uh, very family oriented. Yep. Uh, he explains the dynamic of like, no, it's my brother mm-hmm. a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So if it was a, a crime film, it'd be like, hey, we got this corner now. You're no longer welcome on this corner. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. We're moving be, in. <laughs> it would be a more of a, a turf type of thing. And then they're just yeah. like writing secret letters to each other, but they don't know who each other is. Like they just... Because I, of course, it would have to. I would set it uh, back in time a little bit. So it would in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you've got mail would be uh, yeah. a bomb probably coming in the. Oh, that would the, be one of the things. Like yeah, they they're sending the, bombs to each other. <laughs> hey, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you go outside? I think uh, I think maybe you uh, think maybe uh, you got mail. <laughs> Larson. Can't believe they, they did me like that. Can't believe they did me like that. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like a like Romeo and Juliet type forbidden uh, oh. kind of family feud type thing. I would yeah, like a little that. bit of like the Black Donnellys on uh, NBC. If you watch that for one season, I don't really <laughs> remember it super well. I think it was on after Heroes. Yeah, I, I, I do not recall that. Yeah, some people just call him Donnellys. <laughs> Yeah, the um, yeah, I I uh, I really want 
to uh I think in that version it would end with them um it, it would end similarly you know with Dave Chappelle uh, being in it um no it would yeah. <laughs> Um, it would end similarly, but it would have um, it would be like one of them, like both of them lose people in their respective lives, um, yeah. but then they still end up being together and like they're like, hey, you killed my father, or like you're responsible for this person's death, um, but then they start to like forgive and grow together, and then they end up getting together at the end and forming mm-hmm. a new crime syndicate, but it's built on love, but also crime, yeah. But you'd also probably find out that Steve Zahn was an informant and um, oh. Meg, Meg Ryan would have to kill him. <laughs> yes. And she'd be like, why, George? Why'd you do me like this? Absolutely. That's the question everybody asks. Why'd you do me like why'd this? Why'd you do me like this? I think, uh, I think George, I think maybe, uh, I think there, there could be, I think um, you've got mail. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then shop around the corner is just the code for they're going to go dispose of a body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go take a trip to the shop around the corner. Oh, yeah. You don't do business on your own street. You go around the corner for that. Shop around the corner. All right. And I Hollywood, um, we're still waiting for you to uh, just call us up. Let us know. Yeah, uh, if it makes it easier for marketing, suggestion for the name, uh, use a guy's got mail. <laughs> uh, the Jar Jar Big story? No, that'd be Misa got mail. <laughs> you- use a guy's got mail. <laughs> or if you want to make like a game out of it, uh, it's a me, a mailman. <laughs> You just play as a little mailman that yeah. delivers books. I don't know what he'd give me. Or, um, or I think just so people know, Godfather Five, the one with Tom Hanks. And they Meg skipped Ryan. over four. They just went right to <laughs> yeah, five. yeah, right over five. Just so you could be like, hey, what happened to four? And then after five, they do four. Just it's like everybody knows there was the Godfather. There's a Godfather Part Two with De Niro. There's a Godfather Part Three with Sofia Coppola. They don't do four, but it's kind of its own thing. Four is just no. And then uh, Godfather Part Five, the one with Meg Ryan and Tom <laughs> Hanks. That's the one I wanted you to get. Yeah. Yeah. Use a guy's I got a mail. <laughs> so those are um, those things. Uh, Grayson, we're ending the megathon. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Yeah, we're, we're ending the megathon. It's been a fun journey, but before we conclude it, we have to give you guys reasons to recommend. So Grayson, why would you recommend You've Got Mail? Having watched all these movies in the megathon, it I can't believe it's over. It seems like just four weeks ago <laughs> that we started it, um, but You've Got Mail definitely is one of the more cohesive plots um, of the Megathon that we've watched. Um, It's a simple story in some senses, uh, a classic story of being conflicted against affiliation. Uh, You mentioned Romeo and Juliet at one point uh, when we were talking about this, and it, it very much is that, except instead of just having the families, they are conflicted with their livelihoods. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of shifting stakes here 
that's interesting um, and a lot of character change. There's definite arcs in these characters. Uh, so in that sense, it makes it makes it a journey. And journeys are essential for rom-coms uh, to have success and, and playfulness is to actually see some change in the characters. So overall, very cleverly written, of course, it's, it's Nora Ephron and uh, she just writes dialogue magnificently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a cute movie with a fantastic soundtrack, by the way. I used to just listen to the You've Got Mail soundtrack recreationally in my dorm room. Really? Yeah, I uh, I didn't have a roommate. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that, that would have gotten in the way of that. It was just me. <laughs> and those were my choices. But it is a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. A little bit of the cranberries in there as well. But it it's a great movie in its time. And at this point, you have to just watch it in the context of the time period that it was made mm-hmm. and, and enjoy it for what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'd add on to that and just say it's it's a sweet movie. I, I'd also say that it, it has a lot of heart that you don't see a lot of in romantic comedies. I think that it's it's great. I, I think the my favorite quote is when um, Meg Ryan's character is emailing Joe. She says, the odd thing about this form of communication is that you're more likely to talk about nothing than something. But I just want to say that all this nothing has meant more to me than so many somethings. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. like that. And then the end of the movie, she's just like, I wanted it to be you. Like, I got choked up. Like, it, it's, I, I'm a sucker for those kinds of things because it's like, those romantic comedies really point out that um, these, especially in this megathon, we see a lot of movies um, like this in the way Nora Ephron writes, showing that it's not like the big grand gestures that really matter, but just like the very simple, just existing together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that. I like that, especially in this movie, because we get to see these people live their lives and still, communicate and share their lives with other people um and each other and i like that i like that a lot because it shows a lot of heart and it's sweet and you get to know what life was like for us in 1998 you get to (laughs) peer into technology and how people would just walk to places and call a taxi and you just wait for the internet to start they wouldn't just hop on it's like okay great Hop on, put on a pot of coffee, maybe take a walk around the block, pick up a book. Oh, great, the internet's ready. Like, that's <laughs> – so I, I, it really does fit as a really fun period piece. And you get to see how technology hasn't really changed that much over time. Um, so that's why I'd recommend the movie. Period piece, um, heartfelt, and words. Yeah. Nice. I just got to say, it's been a lot of fun watching all these Meg Ryan movies and the evolution of Meg Ryan from the late 80s to the late 90s. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a little sad that it's over, but it's been a fantastic megathon. It has. And, and uh, I encourage all the listeners as well to just take take a Saturday and have your own megathon. Yeah. Tell us how it goes. Because it, it really is cool to see that, like, because Meg Ryan was, like, the it girl for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Nora Ephron even talked about in her interview. She said, listen, when people are writing a romantic comedy, uh, people are thinking of Meg Ryan when they're writing. And sometimes they got, get to work with her, but like 
that's who people are thinking of. And it's cool to see just her be in her element and be a fun character, um, a fun, relatable and real character to be that uh, even in her fantastical roles uh, before. Uh, But yeah, totally, totally recommend it. And that concludes not only our review of You've Got Mail, but that concludes our megathon. And I hope that you enjoyed watching and listening uh, with us here, uh, watching the movies and listening to the podcast. That is, um, let us know what you thought of the megathon and You've Got Mail on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of this review on iTunes. And for everyone who leaves us a review, I promise you, that you will get mail. What? I mean, you, you, I mean, just you. Just eventually, from like, you know, the water company. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you have a residency, you will get mail, and yeah, it will be there. And if you're a programmer and can uh, design us a plugin so that every time I get a new Gmail uh, email, it tells me I've got mail <laughs> in the AOL voice. I'd really appreciate that. So please reach out. You've got mail. It's so weird how that's programmed, like the pitch and everything. It's weird. Uh, (laughs) And be sure to tune in next time where we watch the greatest baseball movie of all time. Batman. uh, I I don't think Batman's a baseball movie. Well, we'll see when we watch the movie, won't we? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yes, right. We will be watching the 1989 uh, Batman movie starring uh, Nicholas not Nicolas Cage was that would be so scary (laughs) Nicolas Cage as whatever villain he wants to be Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage in Batman (laughs) I want to be the commissioner (laughs) alright yeah yeah, Nick I'm like a wild dog just wanting to chase cars oh goodness okay (laughs) the city's yours That's right, we will be watching the 1989 Batman movie starring Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton right here on the Flashback Flicks podcast. And until next time, remember to be kind and rewind.